It's a new year 2023 and to lead off today's episode I thought it would be fun to enlighten you on a few of the most anticipated phenomena coming down the pike. Are these like events that you think are going to happen? No, these are events that are going to happen, but one of them is fake and you have to name which one is false. Ready? Jimmy Kimmel is back hosting the Oscars his first time since 2018. Okay. What were the other ones? Yeah, I'm going to guess at the end. There's a new Hunger Games movie with Peter Dinklage and Jason Schwartzman coming out this year. Okay. If you're in North America, there will be a Ring of Fire solar eclipse in October. The biggest one, I think, since 2017. Remember when Donald Trump did that? Yeah, with the glasses, yeah. Yeah. Um, And then Super Nintendo World is opening in Universal Studios Hollywood. It will include a ride called Mario Kart Koopa's Challenge and uh, have a Toadstool Cafe. (laughs) Comes out a couple months before the movie. All right. right. And then the last one, Hershey is marketing an edible e-reader. An edible e-reader. How does that work? Like it's it has... chocolate. Okay. Yeah. So, so one of those. So we have we have the Oscars. We have the Oscars with we Jimmy have the Kimmel. Hunger Games. We have the new Hunger Games movie. The Solar Eclipse. You have the Solar Eclipse coming in October. Mario. Uh, Super Nintendo World. Super Nintendo World. And then uh, and then the Hershey and then the Hershey e-reader. bar. I'm slash Kindle reader. And you're saying one of these is fake. I'm going to go with the middle one. I'm going to go with the solar eclipse. The solar eclipse is absolutely happening. Not only that, there's going to be another solar eclipse happening the year after. That's going to be even bigger. It's a total solar eclipse. Okay, so then what was the one that was fake? Hershey is not marketing an edible e-reader. That sounds like something I would see Hershey come out with on an April Fool's Day. Like I was going to say a South Park campaign. Club. Yeah. But Netflix is also trying to do something new in the new year. It released kaleidoscope which is an optical instrument that most kindergartners would recognize but now it's also the title of this new series nine episodes and let me see if i understand the shtick correctly yes there is no episode order the code is randomized to give every user a different storytelling experience and it took 25 years to make 25 years to make well okay so there's a couple different things one uh what was your first point my first point is that there's no episode order so every single, yeah, you can watch the episodes in any order except for the finale. And I know that also the critics were given the episodes in a specific order. But White, the name of the season finale, is the one that, like, they keep to the ending no matter what episode order you get. See, that's what I assumed is that you would need to see, like, there would be need to be a finale episode. Mm-hmm. So it's the opposite of Clue where, like, everything is the same up until the up very until the ending, ending. Yeah. where you can get alternate endings, which I almost, no offense to this show, kind of prefer because I kind of like the unpredictable nature of it. But um, let's see if this was a genius idea or if it was a gimmick. That's what we're here to discuss. Yes. The episode that I was given first, and I don't know about the critics, but what I was given first was Yellow. You along with, I think, like 90% of other people, including the critics. <laughs> Odd. Okay, so 48 minutes. That's how long the episode is. It starts Giancarlo Esposito. And the whole show, I think, is an American heist story, the classic caper. And if you go on to tvtropes.org, which is something that I did, the caper is defined as this. It often revolves around a brilliant gentleman thief who just got out of jail and is hoping to do one last job, usually by putting the band back together, a ragtag bunch of misfits. If one or more of the crew works for the target, it's an inside job, and it can lead to a just-like-Robin-Hood rationalization, steal from the rich to give to the poor. The crew's leader will inevitably uh, present the job as a simple plan that is certain to go off the rails due to unexpected variables. Now, this is the summary for this show. Leo, a gentleman, is out of prison hoping to do one last job to score $7 billion. But first, he has a checklist that needs attending to. He needs a supplier, a driver, a forger, security, and a chemist. He already has the inside man. The plan? Simple. 
the vault they're trying to break into is high tech, and so they're going to go low tech. Think of the <laughs> reverse Obama, you know? They're where they go, go yeah, okay. where they go low, you go high. This is where they go high, you go low. And of course, he works out of a garage. Yellow is the preparation episode. It's where they assemble the crew together. Normally in a movie, you get a montage here, right? But instead, we get a full 40 minutes where not only do they bring everyone together, but they also try to get the seed capital operation, which is its own separate theft, in order to fund the bigger operation. Because they're going to need a lot of money to get to this really, really hard-to-reach vault that's run by Roger Sal's company. He is the mark, Roger Sal's. So aside from all the, like, kind of positions that you said they need for the heist, when I was, uh, like, hearing kind of the summary for this show, it reminded me of Money Heist just with all of those, like, uh, flashbacks whenever they were explaining what they were doing being kind of their own separate episode. Yeah, what I was trying to say with the classic caper thing is it could remind you of any American heist story. It is basically as simple as it gets, as cliche, as it gets you've got the supply guy that's stan uh he can get you anything from a rare toucan (laughs) to a center cut filet because he's a butcher normally but like when people come in there he can just like pass them over the counter anything that they're asking for right and then you have the driver whose name is roy jr jr he's the youngest of the group he goes by rj and he's a mechanic who loves to drum on stuff everybody's got their own little quirk. <laughs> of course yeah yeah it's, so so you remember them then i'm not sure who the forger is like i must have missed the part where they explained who that was and i couldn't figure it out afterwards but uh then the security person is ava she's a she likes to walk her dogs and she has a full gun arsenal basement she also knows Leo from before times. Like there might have been a romantic interest there. <laughs> at they, some always, point. they always have to have that. They but have but she has like kind of the Kingsman John Wick supplies in her closet. Does that make sense? Yeah. Like where they reveal all these guns. The funniest line was when he said, and we might need a chemist. Because then you could just hear the Breaking Bad opening occur behind him. Like dun, 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 dun. <laughs> no, but it's just Judy. She lives in Philly doing low-level jobs with her boyfriend, who's played by Jai Courtney, a.k.a. Bob. And uh, she can make whatever. Like, she's talking about making fentanyl del- derivatives to um, knock people out. And I, I guess we're going to see her So they're in polar opposites. Later. Because what I've heard about Bob, Bob Goodwin, is that, like, everyone hates Bob. Like, he's untrustworthy. Like, he cannot pull off anything if you were to put him in a position. Yeah, he's supposed to be an asshole character that everybody is just ticked off by. Um, I don't know why he necessarily has to stick with the crew other than that they want to provide a little bit of spice to it. Mm. But like, honestly, I think they should kick him out, especially (laughs) with what happens to him later in the episode. The plan, break into a highly secure vault the way they tell us, like uh, Stefan from SNL. Okay. Wait, what? Yeah. They're basically, the vault has everything. Three doors, (laughs) an underground secure subfloor, biometric sensors, uninterrupted power when they said biometric sensors though i thought back to treason where they were like biometric sensors are the way to go they're unhackable and so these people are going to go ahead and hack it with low tech with low tech and then so the whole team then gets hung up though on that uh seed money that they want so they're trying to figure out different plans to get the money before they go in for the big mission right and then we go to the other main central storyline with the main character Uh, who's played by Tati Gabrielle. You would know her from You, Season 3, and also The Chilling Adventures of Sabrina. She plays a character named Hannah. 
Oh, Hannah Kim. Yes. Okay. There's this old episode of MacGyver that I remember where he's hired by a bank to come and break into the bank or find their security flaws mm -hmm. that way. Okay. And she's sort of doing that in this first scene. She goes by an alias Laura, seduces one of the bank's higher-ups by staging a meet-cute and at a coffee place, plants a bunch of cameras on her, gives her gifts with like cameras, like there's a little uh, camera in a book because she knows she likes books. And then she steals her passcodes that way, loops the camera, steals $12 million in gold bars, and just walks out of the vault. That seems like the most convoluted way to introduce it's a character. The most, it's, it's like Imposters, that old TV show that came out. I forgot what network. I think it was on Bravo. Yeah, it was on like Bravo. And it, that's the way they presented it, where it was just so goofy that you had to just like live it through. It seems almost like an Edgar Wright knockoff, where he likes to do a lot of like quick editing. So it's like really sure. stylish. Well, it's just, just believe it. Just believe yeah. it. Just believe it, right? And so then we find out that she's not actually a criminal. She works for the mark of the first part of the show, Roger Sals, the guy who owns that giant vault. And what they're trying to do is to prove to the clientele of these other banks, the triplets, as they call them. One is the, uh, I think, like, he's related to King Jong-un, and they have he has, like, billions of dollars. And then there's Susan Grovner, who's, uh, who knows King Charles. And then there's Stefan Tilla, who is a Swiss CEO. They're all billionaires, and they're trying to convince them separately that the places that they're storing their money are not secure by proving that by breaking into those places and stealing their money, right? Yeah, right. And so once they present their money back to them, they're like, keep it at our vault instead, you know? It's just an elaborate sales pitch. And then this is where we get sort of a history lesson on the Tax Equity and Fiscal Responsibility Act of 1982. So before 1982, you could get a bearer bond without any name on it. So when it was stolen, um, you whoever had it in their property, that was their money, right? But then after 1982, the U.S. government saw that as too much of a security risk and said, okay, you have to be attached to it. But any bearer bonds that exist before 1982, anybody who has them in the possession actually owns that money. So that is the money that uh, these triplets have seven to like $12 billion in bearer bonds that they're that they're putting into this vault. And that is the money that these uh, these that Giancarlo Esposito's crew wants to steal. Can I can I interrupt? Because it seems yeah. like a lot of this backstory was just explaining why there's so much money in this vault. And especially for a show like this, did it really feel like it needed that backstory? Because I feel like if you're making money, like even Money Heist was just like, okay, there, it's a bank, we're going to rob this money. And they focused more on the actual heist itself since every episode can be watched independently i think they probably retread the same facts over and over and over again so they want to make sure that people feel like they understand it so i think that the triplets by stating who they are and where they come from and like by doing that they allow for themselves in future episodes to basically do quick synopsis of that so mm -hmm. when you finally get to this episode, or if you start with this episode, you, you get the full picture. I actually saw a couple of reviews said that they were a little annoyed because in some episodes, like they would they would do things. And then in different episodes, they would explain and they would like have to come up with decisions <laughs> on what to do. But they already knew what they were going to go with because of the way that, and that the episodes comes with ordered. the territory. That's why I'm yeah. like 25 years in the making. Like, and this is what you came up with anyways. So Roger Sals, he's the guy who owns this really secure vault, right? His right hand peeps, Hannah who is applying for the junior VP, uh, and then so is Rajiv. He's another big uh, right-hand man. And then you have Andrew, who's the senior VP, right? Yeah. So those three serve as his main counsel. And then Hannah brings up to him that there's a bug in the system. And that's the only way that there could be a bug in the system is if one of the inside people is messing with it. Yeah. So they make a poison pill plan, and lo and behold, Andrew 
they find a USB drive stitched into his case, kind of like an Echo 3, and it proves that he is a villain. But you see the shock on his face, and you're like, wait, something's going on here. And by now, you also realize that Hannah is the inside man who Leo is working with, and also probably his daughter. <laughs> like, we've just seen so many scenes with Hannah where it was so obvious that she had something else going on. Also, she's pregnant. Also, she has a roommate who wants a job and gets gets a job in their mail room, which I guess is its own storyline. Um, Going back, what's a what's a poison pill plan? Poison pl- pill is kind of like a honeypot where they let the villain think that they are doing something um, nefarious, like getting into the system and doing so- and being able to transfer money or steal code or something like that. But by doing that, they uh, attach themselves to it. Mm-hmm. Like they put a little tracker on whoever has come in there, and so it just flows back to Andrew, right? Yeah, it reminds me a little bit of Mr. Robot. Yeah, yeah it should because I use the word honeypot. But then we return back to Leo's team, right? And after much discussion and a poorly edited joke that was supposed to lead us down another possible avenue to get this money, like he keeps on describing this mission, I think it was called OTB, that he was so sure about, Leo was, um, about how they could get all their money and funding for this. And then suddenly a newspaper article falls in front of him and it just says, it ain't happening. And that was supposed to be super funny, and it just wasn't. So oh, the game it's, decides, one, it's one of those things where he, like, dies really deep into it, and then right yeah. afterwards, it's like, yeah, all that was It was, was a useless. guaranteed okay. win by them, and then it just didn't happen. But they did it so quickly, the ending part of the joke, that you, you would miss it if you blinked. So the gang decides to do what would later be called a brazen jewelry heist by the media. Mm-hmm. And you know Uncut Gems, right? Yeah. Okay. It takes place in the Diamond District in new york right mm-hmm. or at least one diamond it was district. A, yes, it might not yeah. be in new york but it's no it was in new york yeah. yeah so basically what you learn is that there's this whole block that is in midtown new york and it has 400 million dollars going in and out of it every day four thousand security cameras uh, a bunch of undercover security and it's just a bunch of jewelry shops right yeah so people go there as tourists to buy jewelry and the history lesson is that nazis invaded the netherlands and belgium during world war ii orthodox jews and europeans fled and many settled in the diamond district and made a, and set up shop there so well what what do our lovable uh gang of of thieves do they decide to steal from them I guess the justification is that the people that they're going to steal the bigger money from, the $7 billion worth, some of them have connections to Nazis. So, uh, like, even though they're stealing from Jews here, it would it would I, balance I, I, out. I, I don't know. But this it gets even worse because um, how did they decide to steal the money? Well, in New York City, they use trash bombs, gas, and they tase the undercover security. Not like New York has ever been traumatized in history by random attacks of violence and that trash bombs couldn't hurt anyone. I didn't. And they gas. They use gas in the like they throw gas in the middle of the streets and then into the shops of a bunch of Jewish people. That just yeah. seems so ill-conceived. Well, I, I didn't know any about any of that. I know that the story is loosely inspired by a real-life story in which $70 billion of bonds on Wall Street were endangered. But that was because, like, weather conditions, like a hurricane happened. And then when they checked the vault later on, it was like all the money was gone. But also, that has to do with a bigger heist, which we don't even get into. This is all the heist leading oh, up the to the small heist. heist. Yeah, okay. this is the funding heist Jeez. that we're talking about. And the way they decided to do it was on Bob's idea to rob Diamond West. Of course, it was Bob. Well, I, Bob, I don't think came up with the the gassing like that. Just seemed dumb. And uh, so, but Bob does do something risky. 
They have 90 seconds. I don't think that they would have 30. No cops show up in those 90 seconds until the very end where they shoot Bob in the hand because he decides that he doesn't want to go at the right time. He wants to get this particular piece of like this gem or something that's in the window and he's just beating away at it. So he gets shot in the hand. But the problem is he's supposed to be the vault guy, the one who's like right, the one that's supposed the crack to crack in the it. safe. Yeah. And so someone asked later on when you're seeing him get surgery in, in the garage and his hand is mangled. Uh, they say, can he crack a safe with one hand? And the answer is no. I don't care who you are. <laughs> the answer is no. You hire someone else. And yet, no one seems to want to do that. He only needs one hand. This is a guy that they didn't even want to begin with. He was attached to the chemist, Judy, and he forced himself onto the team. He's a dick to everyone, and he actively puts everyone in danger and doesn't follow orders. He shouldn't be there. And yet, it didn't seem like anybody was making that point. It ends with Leo and Hannah hanging out, discussing the job, and he's clearly her father. We get that reveal once more. And uh, that's where the episode sort of closes out. Oh, that's the end of the episode. So you don't get like a really real, like the plot of the episode doesn't kick in yet. Well, the plot, the, uh, again, it's assembling the team, getting the seed money, which they do. But get they're a not bunch focusing on the fake plot. The, I mean, they, they kind of outline what, this, what they're going to do, that they're going to break into this vault. But out of nine episodes, it felt like they did get uh, quite a bit done. Okay. So the pros I found were the little history bits, like the bearer bonds. I didn't know much about the 1982 bill. And then also the Diamond District. Didn't know much about that until I did some research. Apparently, there's like three of them out there in the U.S. And then they use the word chinwag. This is the second time in, in the last week that I've heard it. Um, and, and I haven't heard it before. It's, an ex it's a British expression. And then uh, it just means chat chit chat and then there was the thing that made me laugh where he mentioned a chemist which i think must have been on purpose okay now you get into your cons. my cons were that there's constant jazzy music in the background to kind of lead us into the episode making us feel like well this is cool you know and then there's vague pseudo intellectual narration by leo like i don't have a problem with john carlo esposito i think he is amazing in better call saul and also breaking bad but, like, they give him these shows where he's supposed to play sort of a different type of character. And the lines they have him saying are just, I would relate it to what is uh, slam poetry, right? <laughs> where, where it's just kind of random and it's off the cuff and it doesn't actually play too much. It's, it just fills the air, you know? Mm -hmm. Because trust can be earned, it can be given, and it can be stolen, okay? <laughs> Later on, I, I went on to the next episode only for, like, the first two minutes, which I found to be green. Yeah. That's the name of the episode, right. and it took place in the past. He said things like this. Criminals come in all different flavors. No matter what kind you are, you do it long enough, you fall. What? I'll give you one more. We see a need for it, we fill it. He's talking about criminals here. A chance and we take it. Toying up to the line. Knowing when the moment comes, we're going to jump right over it. <laughs> okay. When it works, it's magic. Wait, are these, these aren't all in the same. Yes, and, oh, then, wow. and then they zoom out and he's writing it in a diary. <laughs> he's writing that exact message in a diary. Um, the jokes didn't work. The police lineup joke, there was one where Bob was in a police lineup and they, it was just, it was something you would see on network television. And then there was, uh, the OTB, that mission that fell through and then gassing the diamond district is what made it truly awful. Um, this was obviously supposed to be a really, really hyped up show. It came out on the 1st of January. That's a very highly sought out yep. time period. It's shot in New York, Philly. It's got a Rolling Stones soundtrack. They played Sympathy of the Devil while they were taking out the people in the Diamond District. It has the cast, too. Obviously, and it's got famous people. Yeah, it's a lot of investment for basically a B-quality movie script, mm. you know? And my judgment is to make the show make sense, given how 
strange it is that you can just watch whatever episode, right? Is that they had to just dumb it down to super big stereotypes. And that's why it turned into a B-movie script. Like, it probably could have been better if they had just made it into a normal heist show. My comparisons are Now You See Me, Baby Driver, Clue, the clunkier elements of Clue, Mm -hmm. and Imposters. And then I would give it a rating of five. I think the show is oversold. I think it thinks it's more clever than it is. And the twist, which was that Hannah is actually a secret double agent um, working for her dad, it was very transparent. Yeah, your sentiments are echoed in a lot of reviews. Um, I'll get to what they say specifically in a second, but also people keep on saying that really the reason that Netflix probably greenlit this show was just for the gimmick itself, which is not only a gimmick that has been done before, but on multiple TV shows. And not only that, but... Which one? Love, Death, and Robots, like Netflix, season one. They did a similar thing. Now, granted, that was only four different altercations. That's more of an anthology, too, because there's they don't connect exactly. Like, None of the stories are, are supposed to be connected, right? Yeah, in, right, in exactly. Yeah. yeah, and then CBS All Access did a show called Interrogation that starred Peter Sarsgaard, David Strader, and from Expanse, and Kyle Gallner. And it was structured in such a way to be watched in any order. Uh, and it was released back in February of 2020. And it received mixed reviews, like a 7.4 on IMDb and a 57% on Rotten Tomatoes. I wonder if it's a lot like Accused, which comes out in a few weeks, um, which is also an anthology series. And it's based on a British one that came out like 10 years ago and follows a different interrogation every episode i think yeah well john mankiewicz who worked on interrogation he was also the co-executive producer for things like house of cards and bosch as well as a ton of like house md episodes but getting back to kaleidoscope the show's creator eric garcia has worked on a lot of different things and with no ability i mean repo man he did the remake for it the autopsy of jane doe which came out in 2016 i found this hilarious because he did one of the most ridiculous films i've ever heard of when i when i saw the uh, synopsis for it so it was a failed 2004 pilot titled anonymous rex have you ever heard of this thing before no just tell me about it it tells the story of dinosaurs that wear human disguises and solve private investigation crimes Mm -hmm. and no place wanted to pick this thing up but they rebranded it as a standalone science fiction film and then they aired it on (laughs) sci-fi No one wanted to pick it up even after Dinosaurs was such a success. Yeah, and I think I think like the, the standalone film also only has like a four point two on IMDb. So he hasn't done anything with like critical acclaim, right? Yeah, but he's worked on big films. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So maybe Netflix did know what they were getting. They've released things like the Gray, the Gray Man. Um, what was it? Underground Six. Underground. Yeah. They seem to just like to do these action comedies. This is less action, more just classic heist drama and. Um, I, I just don't see how it would be super successful. I know the original show was called Jigsaw, and then they decided to officially change it in November of 2022. That makes sense, yeah. It took eight episodes. They did film it in New York. They filmed in Brooklyn on September 1st, as well as 28 Liberty and Manhattan's financial oh, district. Oh, for sure. You can tell this is definitely New York. They weren't putting in a set for it. And for a show that also, again, its main gimmick was so many different episodes, all of them in a different order except for the finale. Like I said, 90% of people said that they ended up on yellow and i think the first three episodes were similar like yellow blue and green or something i might might not even fault them for that that might be a netflix coding thing like you can produce and make the episodes all you want but when it comes down to how the platform decides to put it out there i don't think that that they have much power when it comes to that the one note i have is that every review says do not start with orange and do not start with blue oh so there are literally times (laughs) where you just can't okay this yeah it's just and they say they say end the series with pink and white. 
The se the season finale has more of a mixed reception. I know that Pink, I think, is considered to be one of the best episodes. And reviews have said that, like, it does get intense in certain moments, but that doesn't change the fact that the show itself just isn't really that good. As a 20% on Rotten Tomatoes, I know The Wrapped gave it a positive review. Uh, they praised the acting, and they said that it makes a strong argument why more shows should kind of follow this route. But it also has, like, a 7 on IMDb. And like the Hollywood Reporter said, Kaleidoscope proves only that a jigsaw puzzle approach narrative can be done, but not that there's any reason to do it. You ever play with a Kaleidoscope as a kid? No, not really. I did when I was like small. Well, I found <laughs> it strange how they changed it to Kaleidoscope when Jigsaw, like a jigsaw puzzle. They just continually wanted to do something like that. They needed to name it after a game. <laughs> I wonder if they do something with mirrors because that's how Kaleidoscopes work. And it, it almost sort of like a Now You See Me where it's a big magic trick. Mm -hmm. And it's like, maybe that's how they get into the vault. Is, is that why you compared of... it to now, now You See Me? No, Now You See Me, if you remember, they do a long uh, emphasis on the bringing the group together. Yeah. And they're all got like these little quirky personalities so there's plenty of reasons why I did that. Also, it's just a classic heist as well. But I think that's where we'll leave it today. Thanks for listening. We'll see you on the next episode. Hope you enjoyed this one. Bye. Bye. Bye.